as I was singing that praise song, I was singing all my life, and I thought, it's not I've been faithful, it's he's been faithful. If I sang all my life I've been faithful, I'd be singing a lie, because I fail, and you fail, we all fail. But all my life he's been faithful, amen? I'm going to ask that we just pray and ask God to be our teacher this morning by his spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are the faithful God. You're the good God who loves us and is faithfully involved in our lives in every aspect. And despite our failures, your grace is sufficient. And this morning... We pray that you'll be faithful in being our teacher, that your spirit will open, illumine and direct our minds and hearts to what you want us to hear from all that's said this morning, that what do you want me, us, to hear personally from you this morning? Be our teacher and inspire us, challenge us, rebuke us if necessary, lead us, we pray as we... We trust in you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our series is on uh, Jesus' words, I will build my church. And we're looking at a bit of an overview uh, of the book of Acts because that's when the church was birthed. When I was, uh, Marg and I were just a couple of years married, two or three years married, Along came our first little one, Rebecca. That's Marg leaving the hospital with the nurse, and I took the photo, but that's me holding little Rebecca way back then, <laughs> uh, 49 whatever years ago, was it? Something like that, yeah. And I tell you what, when you have a a new baby, the first baby especially, there's a lot of challenges that go with that, like pooey nappies or diapers for our American friend. Uh, crying when you're busy and you've got to drop everything and, and, and um, rock your little baby to sleep. <laughs> Every time I say that, I think of my sister in Canada, who she was in Canada, and uh, when we had our first baby, she sent us a, a present. And with the present was also two rocks glued together and set around the bottom, rock your little baby to sleep. <laughs> As a joke, of course. <laughs> I thought that was funny. You know, the first time I preached here, the first time I preached here, th this was empty because it was COVID lockdown. And I told a joke and no one laughed. Well, I'm used to that anyway, so. Anyway, so broken nights and walking the pram so that she'll go to sleep, all that kind of stuff. Challenges of the first baby being born. And today we're looking at the birth of the church and the challenges that came to that building of the church. When last time we looked at it, we said, I will build my church. God, Jesus Christ is saying, I will do it. He is absent, but he's present by his spirit, and he is building his church. Today, we're looking at the second word. 
I will build my church. No matter what the challenges, I will build my church. The fledgling church faced three major challenges. And as Mark comes up to read, um, the challenges of being a new community, the challenge of conflict that they faced, and the challenge of uh, the commission that they were given to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Thank you, Marg. Good morning. It's so lovely to be back and see all of you again. So I'm reading from Acts chapter 2 from verse 41. So those who received his word were baptised, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God for having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Thank you, Marg. Look, she's walking without a... a she's just had a knee replacement eight weeks ago and she's now walking without a crutch. Isn't that wonderful? She's doing so well. Right, the challenges faced by the early church and um, the first of these three challenges that we're looking at this morning is the challenge of being a new community. The roots of the church were obviously in Judaism, in the Jewish religion, uh, but as Jesus said that um, you can't put new wine in old wineskins and the new community uh, embraced uh, all peoples everywhere worldwide, Jew and Gentile. And that was a massive change from the very restrictive, very uh, traditional Jewish religion. And so there were massive, uh, massive changes having to take place in the thinking of the leaders and of the church itself. So they were a new community. First of all, life in the new community, and then we'll look at love in the new community. So first then, life. The core fundamentals of what a church is about are in verse 42 that we had read to us. The, the verse that says they continued, uh, let me read it to you, they continued, uh, they devoted themselves, devoted, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And so you have those fundamentals there. There was a book written which became one of the top New York um, books that, that they say are one of the top books uh, that were ever sold on, um, on business, on, on, on business excellence and how to... Uh, build a business and make it really work. And it's called In Search of Excellence by Peter, uh, Tom Peters and by Robert Waterman back in 1982. One of the biggest selling and widely read 
business books ever. It had eight principles in it, and, and one principle that was true of all, that all these businesses that really did well, was that they did the basics well most of the time. That made for a business that would grow and prosper and uh, fulfill what it was on about. To do the basics well. And that's what we as a church need to embrace from these very words in this verse. That they continued, or no, they didn't just continue, they devoted themselves. They were so focused on making this happen. Are you devoted to anything? Are you devoted to your children? Are you devoted to your job or your whatever it might be, to sailing or playing cricket or whatever it is you're devoted to, it takes your, it, it is what it's all about in your mind. And so they devoted themselves, first of all, to teaching. A church that is founded on the truth of God's word is one of those foundational truths and core fundamentals of church life. In search of excellence, doing the basics well in that area. So we find in this whole book of Acts, as the church is established and grows, that teaching becomes was a major part of it. Of course, Jesus uh, set the example. He taught his disciples. He not only taught the crowds, but he pulled his disciples aside and taught them individually and as a group. And so you have teaching. In uh, chapter 11 of, of the book of Acts, you find that Barnabas and Saul were in Antioch and they spent a whole year there teaching those who had come to faith in Christ in the early young church in Antioch. And uh, then you find in Ephesus in chapter 20 that they went publicly, um, preached and taught the truth publicly and then went house to house. And uh, they taught, or Paul taught, the whole counsel of God. While they were there for 18 months, uh, sorry, for, uh, in Ephesus, I think it was for about 12 months. There were 18 months in Corinth doing the same thing, teaching the whole counsel of God, teaching everything from Genesis through to the return of Christ and the end events that were going to take place, and everything in between, all the doctrines, all that they needed to know to know the whole counsel of God. That was their priority. And it's our priority as a church. I know teaching the word of God is a priority in this church. Why? Tonight, is it tonight? Um, there's the family Bible hour? Yeah, tonight. And it's on how to study the Bible. So if you want to know how to study the Bible, come along tonight. Because that's what it's all about. Not just hearing the Bible and knowing it, but studying it, seeing how it all fits together grasping it. When I find that youth and young adults groups are really into studying the word or when they are discipled and mentored and uh, given opportunity to really get into the word of God, that strengthens their faith so much that they continue normally down the pathway of growing in Christ. It's so vital to church life. So we are to be a church that holds to the truth of God's word and uh, 
God's word alone. Secondly, fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Huh. Now that's a good one. The word fellowship means sharing in common. It means, that's the whole meaning of the word koinonia in the Greek. Despite our diversity, diversity in language, diversity in status, uh, diversity in ethnic or racial groupings. Back then, the Jews used to call the Gentiles dogs. We find that in the Gospels. That was their attitude. It was contempt. And now suddenly Gentiles are flooding into the church and the Jews and the Gentiles were mixed together and they were to love one another and respect one another and hold one another close in a fellowship, in a family. And that's what we are called to do despite whatever differences there may be. In chapter 13 of the book of Acts, you find in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, who came from Cyprus, there was Simeon, who came from, who was from Niger, which is, he's probably an African um, uh, dark-skinned guy, or he might have been a Jew living in there. We don't know, but he was from there, down in Africa. Then there was Lucius from Cyrene, and then there was Manian, who was um, who was a mate of Herod. I say mate, but he was close to Herod the Tetrarch. So he was a noble kind of upper-class guy. And these were all with Saul, who was from Tarsus and was a, um, who used to be a, uh, in the Sanhedrin as a religious leader in, among the Jews. And, among, and they, they all flung together as the leaders and those who were praying together. And, and as a result of that, God sent Paul and Barnabas out to be missionaries. It says in verse 46 that we had read to us, the, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's fellowship. It's not just coming and sitting here at church or sitting at home watching the live stream. If you're sick, that's fine and good on you. But if it's just like, can I encourage you? After we've gone through COVID and people got used to live streaming, uh, a number of people have found it difficult to sort of get back to church. But it's so vital because that's part of church life is fellowship, sharing together. And I encourage you to do that. But it's not just coming and sitting in a seat. It's getting alongside going, inviting people home to your place for a meal. Back then, uh, to do that, uh, they would, it says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts because they were gape meals. All right, they broke bread and, and remembered the Lord, but they also had a meal attached to that, an agape meal, they called it. And they would not just pull a packet mix out of the um, cupboard and, and add a bit of milk and an egg or something and throw it in the oven. Uh, they would have to grind the grain bake the bread, which is like pita bread, uh, milk the animals, goats or whatever, and make cheese and prepare the vegetables that were like lentils and coarse beans and cucumbers. Then the meat was stewed in a big pot and seasoned with salt, onions, garlic, cumin, coriander, mint, dill and mustard. 
tasty. And then they would serve it in a common bowl and everyone with their pita bread would take some out with the bread and eat it. And it was a common bowl. So they shared, literally shared together the meal. Fellowship. The church then and the church now is far from perfect. The New Testament reveals that the early church struggled with racial, ethical and leadership problems. Uh, Paul, James and Peter all write addressing issues that were problems, difficulties that they faced in the early church, challenges that they faced. Uh, James, for instance, says, if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you, uh, to the poor men, they say, you stand over there and you sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? To make that kind of discrimination was evil. And so they challenged James there, writing to the church uh, that he was, the churches that he was writing to, says that. And so does Paul. Um, in 1 Corinthians 11, when he talked about uh, the communion service and how, how some were ev- sick and some were even dying because of their discrimination towards the poor in their congregation. It's serious stuff. We are one in Christ and we're to live that way and um, unite, be united that way. I find in every church and every small group, uh, there's such diversity. Um, there are people who are in previous church, not this church, I'm not talking about this church at all, right? So don't think I'm getting at anybody. But I've been people in other churches, um, in the number of churches I've been to, and I think of different ones like people who are loud and... Um, have no filters and say things without thinking and create issues. And then you have um, hypochondriacs who are always so negative and you have those who people interrupt your conversations all the time and um, dominate conversations, people who are unreliable, people who have different theological views to me. There's the Calvinists and the Armenians and the everything else. So you find in such diversity within the body of Christ, and yet we are called to be one. One. United. Like a football team. You have all different sorts, but they unite together and hopefully win. So we are the church, not this building. We, and we are to be one. We're family. Next, there was worship. Uh, The next challenge that they faced was communion and breaking bread and drinking the cup in memory of the Lord, but it was always attached to uh, worship. It was thanksgiving and remembrance, but it was also attached to worship. And so, Uh, In verse 42, the breaking of bread, then we find in Troas as weekly, they they met weekly to break bread in the temple, in their homes, in the hired halls like Tyrannus' hall. uh, The early church met together to worship and to remember their Lord and our Lord. Uh, Jesus said, those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. And so uh, he was saying that 
basically it's not your 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 worship time is to be in spirit it's spirit led it's it's not in a particular place it's spirit led and it's to be tied to the truth of God's word and of Christ so our challenge is to be a church where spirit inspired worship is valued and the fourth one of these is prayer they they devoted themselves to prayer in chapter 4 they were being persecuted. What did they do? They prayed. And God shook the place and filled them with his spirit. And they went out and spoke the word of God boldly. They prayed. God responded. And the message went out. In uh, chapter 6, the deacons, um, they were, um, the people were praying. There was difficulty in the church because of, People weren't, were overlooked and so on. And so we find in chapter 6 that they, the, the, there were, were those who were um, chosen to be deacons to work and look after the, uh, the, the, all the stuff that has to be organised for the church so that the elders and the, the um, leaders could devote themselves, it says, to prayer and the word of God. So that they could devote themselves to those things they uh, organised for deacons to look after the other stuff to free them to pray. It was so important to them. And actually they were praying when that happened. In chapter 10, Peter was on, his roo on the roof praying when God said to him, go to the Gentiles, and he went. And there's two chapters given to it. He was praying when he got that vision and had to go. In obedience to the Lord. Uh, when Peter was, uh, was to be executed, I read my notes properly, not when he was executed, but when he was to be executed and they, they threw him in prison and so on, the church prayed fervently for him. Fervently, it says. And what happened? The Lord set him free and he went to the house and the maid came out so what? Ran back in and they said, you're out of your mind. <laughs> They've been praying that he'd be set free. And when he was, they said, you're out of your mind. They didn't have much faith. Faith is a mustard seed. But God heard their prayers. They were praying. And God heard their prayers. We are to be a praying church. Are you free to attend the prayer meeting that I think Don still holds? Is that right, Don? Yeah. Uh, he organises it here. Uh, your, your groups, your leaders in your um, different areas need to pray together uh, and as a church pray together. It's so vital. They devoted themselves to these things. And there's others. Uh, they were worshipping and fasting when um, in chapter 13 uh, the Spirit of God said, uh, send out Paul and Barnabas. And then it says, after they had prayed and fasted, they laid hands on them and sent them out. Paul and Barnabas in chapter 14 and on appointed elders in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord. I don't need to go on. It's there in black and white in what happened in the early church. And our challenge is to be a church where prayer is central 
to all ministry. Love in the new community, not just life, but love in the new community. And it says that there were, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who was in need. This was not communism. This was love. There's a big difference. You can't impose on, uh, even on a congregation that you must all pool your money and give it to those who are in need. How can we do that? How can we make everyone equal? We can't, and we shouldn't even try, and communism has failed because of that. But love, it says, as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had, as any had need. That was love. So in the early church, uh, the challenge to love in a very practical way for those who are in need. And in our climate today, with more and more challenges financially for people, um, given the, the climate we're in right now, this year, and facing the future, there's going to be more and more where people are in need and we as a church with our own community need to be sharing with those in need. Um, as you know, I spent 26 years in New Zealand and met Marg there and she's a Kiwi and I became a Kiwi. Uh, so I haven't lost my Australian citizenship, but I'm a, a Kiwi too. But anyway, um, over there, the Maori people, lovely people, um, but they have a, a family culture. So uh, in the traditional Maori family, if uh, someone buys a car, then it belongs to the family, so anyone can use it. <laughs> well, it's my car. No, it's the family. If it's your car, yeah, but I'm your brother. <laughs> I'm your dad, or I'm whatever. And so it's, it's just, it belongs to the family, even though it's yours. It's that thinking. Interesting, isn't it? We're so far removed from that in our thinking. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. He was admitting he didn't have anything at all, really. I remember when we were in Brazil, and my parents were 26 years missionaries in Brazil. When we were visiting them, my father took me. Mark didn't come because she had a little baby, but... Um, we went out into the jungles, the Amazon jungles, and um, there was a, a Christian family there that had a little hut, and I, I haven't got a photo of it, so I just went to Google and found a, a hut in the Amazon jungles and stuck it up there for you to look at. But it's something like that, and it was a hut um, because the government was giving people, whoever wanted to, uh, a half an acre, a half of an acre of land, um, and they could go there and the land is free, but they had to develop it and grow their own rice and beans and all that kind of stuff. So this family um, used to invite neighbours from other um, people who had moved to other blocks in the jungle, and they'd come together on Sunday and they would have a, a church. And, and Dad went there and myself. The thing is that they didn't have much at all. They'd travelled all the way from wherever and come to this jungle area and begun to establish themselves, begun to clear the ground and, 
and, and uh, they had one pig. And because we were visitors, international visitors, they were going to take that pig and kill it for us. And Dad tried. He, he did his utmost to stop them. He did stop them doing it. But boy, they were serious about it. They weren't just saying that nicely. They wanted to honour us by killing the very, their own lifeblood, their own huge, it's like giving a house away for them. It was all their money was invested in a few chooks and, and this pig and some beans that they'd bought and, and planted. The life and love in the new community. And, you know, a body will grow when it's healthy. A young body, you know, you have a young person, if it's a healthy body, it'll grow. A healthy Christian body, church, will grow automatically. People who see a well-taught church, a worshipping church, a, uh, <laughs> a sharing church, and, 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 uh, and a, uh, a church where there is unity despite the diversity. Everything about a healthy body will cause it to grow just like that. They also faced serious conflict, and that was the second challenge. The first challenge um, was huge, and I had to work through all those, but this is just two major areas here as we look through the book of Acts. They faced serious conflict. Remember that Jesus said, when he said, I will build my church, he said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, um, the fierce resistance of the enemy, the gates of hell, um, to safeguard its dominion, that Satan's dominion has got gates to try and prevent anyone getting in and taking his captives. The gates of hell will not prevail against the gospel. It will go in and rescue people from Satan's domain. And Satan and the Demon, demonic powers and everything that's pitted against Christ will not prevail against the gospel so and against the church. So there was opposition by the evil one through people in two ways. From outside the church, first of all, there was intimidation by the priests and the captain of the guard and the Sadducees in chapter 4. and chapter 5, the chief priests and the Sadducees, Peter and John, um, were thrown into prison, and uh, when they were released by the, an angel, they went out and preached the gospel when they were told not to, and continued preaching. And uh, they they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the for the name of Christ. So th there was opposition in that way. And today, we live in a land where there's not physical opposition. There may occasionally be, but there is a lot of opposition in other ways. Even the government uh, can, local governments can oppose the, the truth of God's word and we can experience it as Christians. But in the world today, um, one in every seven Christians face persecution of some kind and, and serious persecution. There's over 300 million Christians uh, today that 
face either very high or extreme levels of persecution. It's massive. In many, uh, probably about 50 countries uh, that uh, is estimated that that is true. So it hasn't stopped, and it won't. Satan is opposed to Christ. And also, not only from outside the church, but as we go through the book of Acts, you find that from within the church there is uh, opposition to the gospel and to the church. That is hypocrisy. Remember Ananias and Sapphira and their hypocrisy, pretending to give money when they really kept it for themselves and agreeing to a lie together. And God dealt with them as an example to the whole of Christendom following that he can't stand for that kind of thing. And Simon the sorcerer pretending to be a follower of Christ when he wasn't. So there's hypocrisy within the church. And then there's false teaching. Not in the early years of the church, so you don't really get much of that, if any, in the book of Acts. But when uh, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And then Paul in chapter 20, verse 28, says to the elders at Ephesus, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number will arise and uh, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Not everyone, Jesus said, who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And so there was within the church, there is false teaching. And then thirdly, there is legalism. Legalism, because it's not just that it's the Jewish background that the church grew out of, but legalism can easily take place anywhere in the world. And I've been in a number of places in other countries where there's so strong legalism. If you don't abide by what our rules are about what a Christian should wear or do or not do, uh, then you are not walking with God and we will judge you accordingly in our minds. Strong legalism, which is so bad and so destructive in a church environment, except for those who toe the line. We face the same challenges today. Then thirdly... The third challenge that the early church had to face and work through was that they were sent into all the world, all the world. The Lord said, go and make disciples into every nation and make disciples. There was a challenge of religion that they faced. They had to take the gospel, first of all, to the Jews and show them that Jesus Christ is the Christ. According to Old Testament prophecies, his life, his miracles, his resurrection, and Paul, in some of his teachings and um, preaching that is recorded in Acts, you find him showing this to be true, and some believed. Then there's pagan religion, um, those um, who were believing in Zeus and every other god and pagan uh, religion. And you remember in First Thessalonians when, church, when Paul went to Thessalonica 
And he writes to the Christians in Thessalonians and in Thessalonica and says that you turn to God from idols. And uh, that's so true. So many turn to Christ from idolatry. And then there's Greek philosophy. Remember on the, in uh, chapter 17 uh, in Athens on Mars Hill. And um, Paul could say in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to all who believe. So some mocked at that time on Mars Hill. Uh, some mocked him. Some said, we'll hear you again. But some believed and the church was formed. Then there's a challenge not only of religion, but the challenge of race. I've mentioned this already, but remember in chapters 10 and 11, God moved Luke to record two full chapters all about who? Peter. But Peter was the, if you like, the apostle to the Jews. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, but God chose Peter. Jesus, should I say, chose Peter. Jesus revealed himself to Peter that the gospel was to go to the Gentiles. And Peter was the one who first went with the gospel to the Gentiles. And Paul picked that up later. And then in chapter 9, uh, verse 15, Paul, when he was called to be an apostle, called to Christ, to, to trust in, in Christ, when he became a Christian, he was then commissioned by the Lord himself who said, that he was to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And the challenges that the church faced in, in that challenge of different races uniting in one body was a big thing. And finally, the challenge of regional thinking, that um, the church was content to stay where they were, but um, suddenly persecution caused the Christians to scatter. And as they scattered, they preached the gospel everywhere. And so someone's called it the spreading flame. Uh, we live in Australia where we have bushfires and we all know how serious they can be. But, you know, you know, one fire can let sparks off and start fires everywhere uh, where the wind's blowing. And more fires will start and then they will send more sparks and more flames will start uh, in other places. And so you have this great illustration of the spreading flame. And that's exactly what happened in the early church. As Christians were persecuted and they fled from that town to wherever, they took the gospel with them and they weren't ashamed to share the gospel there. And others came to Christ. And, and so it spread and spread. And the missionary zeal of Paul and, of course, others. But we only have the record mainly of Paul um, who uh, took the gospel and went right as far as to Rome and beyond. He took literally the words of Jesus, and so did the early church, that we're to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, as the last slide will show you. We are called today to do that. It's a challenge. What are we doing here in this area, and what are we doing to support and even send out missionaries to the world, to areas where there's great need. We are called to face the challenges as a church that the early church faced and to be that church. Jesus said, 
I will build my church. He will build this church. We need to face and push through and see the challenges as opportunities for pleasing our Lord and reaching the lost for Christ and bringing them in, teaching them and involving them in the community. That's the whole idea of the church. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you will build your church, Lord Jesus. And we pray that we will be a part of that, that it will inspire us. Each one of us, Lord, we could say to you right now, Lord, what do you want me to do to help in this area? It might be teaching, it might be fellowship, it might be showing love and sharing um, it could be anything, Lord. What, what do you want me to do to be a part of uh, facing the challenges and seeing your church built? We pray this trusting and thanking you through Jesus Christ, our Lord.